Greetings, friends! Welcome back to another stupendous episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, a uh, wife who just won't go away and broken object. Alex Dandino. Yeah. All right. <laughs> there were so many avenues. I just I just took a lane when I saw it. That's All right, great. guys. I expected today... you to go with washed up flaccid, but that's fine. We'll get to that. Also that, I mean, hey, no shame there. We're all going to be at that dead Perfect. end before you Thank know you. it. Yeah, just pile uh, it on. This is great. <laughs> uh, speaking of piling, piling on, guys, before today's excellent episode, a little bit of business. It is official. Your friends here at the Film Alchemist are on Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash Pod. Guys, it's the absolute best way to support the show. It's the absolute best way to make sure that this show becomes exactly the show you want and deserve. You can become a patron of the show for as little as a dollar a month, guys, and we assure you every single dollar is appreciated. Um, as you go up, the official Highlander tier ranking systems, you can specifically select movies you want us to discuss in a Patreon-exclusive library. Guys, so again, as little as a dollar a month, you get in, you meet the community that we're building over there, see what we're working on, get the movies that you want us to talk about. Instead of just waiting for us to pick from the billions of movies that exist, you can specifically pick what you want. It's awesome. We have so many fun movies uh, over in our Patreon exclusive library. So again, that's patreon.com slash film alchemist pod. All the support is help uh, helped us a lot. We've grown a lot this year. We appreciate you guys so much. For those of you who are already patrons, thank you, thank you, thank you. For those of you who are about to, thank you as well. Make sure you go subscribe to the YouTube so you can see our faces. We don't need potions. We're just over here keeping it hot, natural, organic. Uh, no AIDS over here, just straight up jeans. Uh, <laughs> so that's on YouTube, Phil Malcolmus. Don't think too much about it. Just accept it as truth. That's the way these things work. You can email the show, philmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all the social media you're on. We're very easy to get a hold of and love to hear from you. Uh, also something that is free and takes but a moment but does help shows like us out a lot. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you find the show, now including Spotify. So if you're one of our Spotify listeners, make sure to hit that uh, rating. Give us a five-star, man. Help us defeat the algorithmic uh, crippling grip of old age and decaying flesh prisons so that we can arise and ascend into the beautiful, young, buxom host that we were supposed to be. Oh, right. Man, enough of that business. Let's get to it, man. Let's get to... Just the journey, the harrowing journey into old age, right? The hard, hard, bitter battle that especially the women amongst us have to suffer as society has deemed them objects of beauty first, uh, creatures of character second. It's unfair. And let's do that through the lens of just a bunch of old dudes. Just a bunch of comedy. old whites <laughs> loving, loving their lives. In uh, Death Becomes Her, a movie that I love. I saw this movie really young and found it so strange like didn't really understand what i was watching it just had cool visuals right it was just kind of i'm like okay so bad things are happening really bad things are happening but all i'm doing is laughing this is a weird experience for me watching it as i get older it's a little more biting in the commentary and the comedy and honestly i i one thing i think that we could all agree on is the effects are a bit dated 
at times, but they still work almost universally. So, Alex, opening thoughts on Death Becomes Her. Yeah, I also saw this pretty young. Um, it was just one of those movies that my parents turned on because they liked. It was a cool movie for us at that age. My mom, my mom really liked Goldie Hawn. I think at that mm. point, I don't really know why. I I could be misremembering that. I think because my mom had red hair when she was young, so that was like a thing. <laughs> I am also just making free. That's why Jay Cutler here. is my favorite quarterback. Diabetics unite. But either way, um, yeah, I saw this movie really young, and I remember being really. Yeah, as I got older, I watched it over and over again. Like, the jokes started landing differently. Because, like, when you're young, you don't get what actually is going on. You're just like, oh, man, sweet. Like, murder, revenge gone awry. I love this. Mm -hmm. And, like, as you get older, like, all these people are criminally terrible. Like, it is horrifying. And then (laughs) finally today, I remember, finally today watching it, I remembered the last time I had seen it because I was just like, that was, that movie is really, like, that movie's really good, and you never need to remake a movie, I don't think. But this one, I'd be like, how fun would it actually be to now now that we don't have to do like nearly the amount of because like if you do any research on this, Meryl Streep, this is like the only time she was ever willing to do a movie this effects lady. Like she hated doing it. Like she loved the story, but she hated actually doing the movie because of the effects. It just stopped her performance so now that we're in this situation where like green screen blues like how much fun would it be to have newer actors who like you know and we always talk about like paul rudd is like eternal youth like he's never aged you're like that is actually a much more entertaining thought now is it'd be fun to remake this i think but in any sense this version is absolutely awesome and i i fucking adore this movie i think meryl streep and goldie hahn like I love watching Meryl Streep be like basically the villain kind of because mm-hmm. she's I mean, she's just incredible. Like she, she teeters so well between like hateful and but like all that hate comes from this like really hilarious sort of resentment and it pops up in like these really entertaining, like just like a magnificent performance. We'll get to it later, but um, it's probably one of my favorite Meryl Streep performances, actually. Yeah, and it's kind of the thing that immediately leaps out at you watching it again is it, it's just this really kind of strange collection of of people working on this film and acting in this film. And how the fuck did this movie come to be? Well, I think the because... craziest the craziest <laughs> casting is still to me Bruce Willis. Like this, you is... know, it's weird though because Bruce Willis started as a TV comedy guy, he and then did. he just because of this monster success of Die Hard, he he just somehow found this road that I'm sure was not the plan where I'm going to be the third action guy. This movie came in came out in 92. Mm-hmm. So he's like deep in the thick of Die Hard. So it's like because like Die Hard 2 is 1990 and Die Hard with Avengers is 95. So he's like in the thick of being like, you know. I mean, Bonfire of the Vanities, Hudson Hawk, The Last Boy Scout. Like, he's in this situation, too, where Die Hard is his, like, big hit. The rest of these have just been, like, had, like, tanked at the box office, essentially. Yeah. So it's fascinating to see him do this part because it is, like, a lot of, like, it is this, like, complete opposite character for him for that that era of his time, of his time. Yeah, and it's it's funny because you can see at that time, too, like Hudson Hawk was very much because what, what Bruce Willis brought that was so great was his comedic timing. Yeah. Even in Die Hard and 
yeah. Fifth Element, all That's these what movies. What is best about him is the little kind of snarky cutting remarks. Right. And this one, he's almost it's funny because the whole movie to me had this very like golden age Hollywood screwball comedy vibe. Right. Totally. Like there, there is just this. It, it feels like a, a romanticized. It's got a real like, kind of love letter to that era of filmmaking. Like if yeah. you did Arsenic and Old Lace. Right. Which I think was a Cary Grant film. Right. Was. But then you just upped it with the actual like carnal. That's really what this movie becomes. It's wild. It has this real like sci-fi Ernst Lubitsch vibe. And I think yeah. that's what works so well throughout <laughs> the movie, man. It's really, it's very entertaining. And yeah. And it's just, but this is the thing though, right? So Bruce Willis is comedy was just really refreshing. Cause that, that really is his great skill set that he mm-hmm. had. Right. And especially now, like Bruce Willis nowadays doing the, like every time you're at Walmart, which just happens occasionally. And you're like, Oh, there's three more Bruce Willie DVDs in the fucking $3 yeah, bin by exactly. the Milk Duds. And that's just what he does. He's like the old guy who's like, let me get my gun and fix society movies. And you're like, oh, right on. That's a sad kind of place to see you end up. Yeah. But this is the Bruce Willis that I was like, this is what made him transformative to me. Is that he could do both, right? Yeah. And then, again, Meryl Streep, too, just being... Because Goldie Hawn was always kind of a Well, Goldie a Hawn is a comedic actress. actress. Like, I think yeah. what's interesting is... Goldie Hawn almost has the Goldie Hawn, not just because of how the movie starts, but Goldie Hawn almost has the straight man character in a lot of regard. And everyone around her is so hijinksy. And yeah. it's weird to say that because like everyone fucks around in this movie. Like there is no like straight man, quote unquote, for the bits. All of them kind of take turns, but she's the one who like she's the one, and it's because of how the character um it's because of the char- um, character's written, um, Helen Sharp is her character. Helen's character is written as this sort of like, she's she's a lovely person. She's just kind of sad. Like, there's a sadness to her. And again, like, there is no more, like, maleness in a script than, all right, we need a hot girl and a frumpy girl, but they're friends. Oh, good idea, man number one. You too, man number two. I'm sure well, no two... <laughs> I'm Let's sure this is how there. women look at each other. <laughs> Let's pause there and just the the moment. Because, again, I, I think the remake thing is interesting, right? Because this gets into a lot of – there is a lot of this kind of how do we deal with other people in our own bodies in very public open spaces, right? Like, right. that's a common discourse now. Definitely. And so this story is essentially what that is, right? But – through the because we literally do the like promise me you're not in love with Meryl Streep right and she only loves Bruce Willis because he's what a plastic surgeon right right and he can fix the very small imperfections in her that she's really hyper focused on right what was the thing she, wrinkle wrinkled little star hope they never yeah, see the yeah. scars um you know practicing her human face before her weird friend comes in and you never know why they were friends or how it was like a childhood thing we find out later mm-hmm but hard cut into I'm not interested in her wedding. Uh, Goldie Hawn's character is in the upper, like, fucking, you know, graduate area of the wedding. Where, like, she just didn't get them to stop and they didn't get on the bus. Right. The very thing they do is they're like, we need to. How do we show that this woman is broken because she lost frumpy ass Bruce Willis? Let's just put the camera directly dead center on dead just center on her butthole. Butt. <laughs> 
Like, where, where's my mark? Right in the fucking deepest part of the butthole. And then we're going to cram just like it literally looks like they took a trash bag and filled it with Cracker Barrel oh, gravy. Oh, no. That's, that's way too artistic. It, it just looks like pants. they put pillows. It looks like they put pillows in her pants. Right. And they're like, that looks like a big butt. Right. But it's like they did everything they could. And the funny thing is, is this is a recurring shot in the film is the 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 foreground. You know, the butthole, like the, the butthole but, shot is recurring. Yeah. But Hall, but De Palma did like love split diameter. Yeah. Right. So you can see like the two things at once. They're like, what if the one thing you could see is just like big fucking. Yeah. Sweatpants. But fucking big old yeah. cheeks. Another thing that would change in this day and age now. Now we'd be like, don't lose that ass. The potion's got to keep the ass. Not only that, like, <laughs> we see butt cheeks continuously throughout the movie. Like, a lot. Right. But this is, but the, the male gaze is never more apparent than, how do we show that a woman's just really heartbroken? Uh, giant ass um, and sweatpants. She's fat. She's eating ice cream out of the tub just, with her hands. She's crushing frosting <laughs> with her fingers, which, by the way, I don't know if people still do this. I feel like that was a thing that all of us did in the 90s. Like, my mom would buy bunches of frosting, and we would, instead of, like, having ice cream, we'd all just kind of have our own little frostings, right? Oh, God. And, like, we would just spoon the frosting, and it was delightful. And then they're like, let's just sprinkle in some cats everywhere. Cats. (laughs) And she's so broken up that she's getting evicted. She's in an asylum. Yeah. She's so broken up that she can't hang out with this five, Ernest Milville. Milville. <laughs> Ernest, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And so, yeah, so she goes to the asylum, and they're just like, stop talking about your emotional trauma. It's like, male gaze, right? Your male gaze is driving just, us crazy. So, the, so the, the, she goes insane because also she doesn't, like, pay her rent. That's, like, the perception. Like, they don't throw you in Because all she a, does is watch Meryl Streep get murdered They don't in throw this you movie. in an asylum for, you know, not paying your rent. But either way, once she's there, yeah, th- these people are the worst psychiatrists of all time. Because yeah. this woman like screams at her. She's like, what are you trying to do, Helen? You're not a pound lighter. I'm like, that's really not a critique of yours. That, that's sure. the first thing you're noticing about Helen's state. Your bangs are shit. Your, your sweatpants doesn't even match your sweater. You you're suck. fat. <laughs> but they, they, so, okay. So this is like, this is the impetus for the whole bit in the movie. Is like, basically... Yeah. The psychiatrist unknowingly suggests that you have to eliminate the like she's like you have to get rid of this Madeline Ashton obsession. She's like, what'd you say? She like picks out that's like the most psychotic thing. Like any psychiatrist be like, Kate, that's not what I said. What I said was you need to <laughs> She's like, as long as it gets you eating a salad. <laughs> kill whoever you- like that's who this psychiatrist is. It's insane. Also, amazing. I'm like get out of here. You literally just showed us in the last scene. Did we need, like, the psychiatry? Like, you could have just been like, oh, I like watching her get murdered on TV. <gasps> I Got should it. do that. Figured it out. She's weird. And this movie is very liberal with seven-year time jumps. Seven years. Asylum. Seven more years. We're in Beverly Hills. Things have not gone right. So, essentially, the movie then pits. Now Meryl Streep has kind of fallen out of vogue, right? Yeah. Uh, she's not the well, it she lady wasn't anymore. in vogue. I think this, it starts with her not even being very popular. That's true. That was a weird thing to go back because the very first scene when we're doing credits are people giving Meryl bad reviews. And you're like, what kind of dystopian timeline is this (laughs) that people are mad at Meryl? Because it's only the people in the first scene of this movie and Donald Trump who've ever given Meryl bad reviews. To be fair, it is legitimately (laughs) the worst musical I've ever seen in my life. And it's only one number. 
Yeah, see, just speaking as the general public, it looked like every other musical, so I had no idea. I assumed it was not good. Yeah, but... (laughs) Safe assumption. So, essentially, what we do now is Goldie Hawn is all femme fatale, right? Lady in the red dress. So, she's got it now, and she's going to start setting up this kind of cat and mouse game, right? She's she's doing a body heat thing. Like, I'm ready to catch you. I'm going to fuck this shit up. For some reason, she still wants Bruce Willis back, even though he's just become an even sadder he's old, version of he's himself. He's somehow chubbier. He's like a mortician now instead of like... Massive alcoholic. Massive right? alcoholic. But I think what... It's just she wants what was hers. She wants it back. The amount of alcohol people consume in this movie, like per serving, is just... <laughs> I did terrifying. have a scene because there was this great bit where they kept handing Bruce Willis drinks. Yeah. And those are like tumblers, right? Like tum- like when I used to work at a bar, I had one of those thrown at me when I was a bouncer, right? And they're big fucking heavy yeah, glasses, but like they that. don't hold a lot of booze. Right. And every time they hand one to him, I was like, does Bruce Willie have like, Bruce again, Willis has not, another Donald, Donald Trump? Trump? Yeah, he's got Trump hands. Because I'm like, those glasses look, I'm like, it looks like Andre the Giant holding a Schlitz. The one, <laughs> but like the Schlitz is the like... one towards the the one at the the, the one at the end. We'll get, we'll get to the scene, but the one at the end that where he's like throwing it around constantly and they like dumps it out. That one, I was like, that is just no one. Even even the Bloody Mary that the ner- the the maid brings him at the top of the movie. Not even that is as full as this vat of scotch that they hand him to drink. So much, it's insane. Yeah, but it's. Again, nothing in this movie is trying to. No one, nothing's not trying to obey the, the rules of law, the rule of law. But I do think this this movie does. It is kind of a very brisk and weird opening, but it just lays it out so succinctly, and I think it's yeah. kind of refreshing, right? Because this movie got through, and I know everyone's probably made this this comparison, right? But this plays exactly like one of the Tales from the Crypt episodes that Zemeckis was doing at the time, mm-hmm. right? This is just a an extended to feature length Tales from the Crypt. Right. It has the same sense of humor. Yeah. It has the same kind of like horror body gags. It's the exact same fucking thing. So for that to exist, and then you get Robert Zemeckis to direct it, who now in the 90s, right, like kind of flopped on his first couple, but became like the guy, right? It was like yeah. one of the, the like big time guys you could get to direct and get this cast and make this fucking movie for general audiences. There's just a lot of against the grain filmmaking, right? Because you yeah. you would normally think let's let's kind of you know have Goldie Hawn be relatable. No, let's just put a camera right up her butt, right? <laughs> let's give her that colonoscopy shot, and then oh well, maybe we'll set it in like a realistic timeline. No, let's just jump constantly, and then it's like even then once you get to Beverly Hills, every set looks like this lavish like Cleopatra yeah. era set, and I'm like. How did they think that? Because I guess I didn't look up how it did in the box. I seem to remember it was not a massive hit like they thought it would be. Oh, uh, no, it slammed, dude. It, it slammed? Was, it was a $55 million budget and it made $150 million. Man, I got to eat potion. I was wrong on that. I, it, but see that, like, I mean, so that's even greater. That's what I'm saying. Cause is, I, I was coming at this like, oh, no wonder it bombed because they're just no, everything about this is abrasive has, to the average film viewer. I think what's good about this is what makes the movie unique and why it has lasting power is because it goes against the grain, <laughs> like you were saying. Because <laughs> it goes against the grain, like you were saying, on pretty much every piece of it, that's what works. Because, like, yeah. okay, this is 92 when it comes out. So at that time, like, if you think about this movie. 
being directed by anybody else, being shot by anybody else, being produced by anyone else. You get two comedians, you get two female comedians who look fine or whatever. I don't know who was famous at that time, Janine Garofalo and someone else. (laughs) She wasn't at Zemeckis level. She just, like anybody else, and you get two female comedians, but because you get fucking Meryl Streep to show up, to be essentially the villain, and you get Bruce Willis, and you get Goldie Hawn, you get the, and Isabella Rossellini, like you get these people to be in this really quirky, long Tales from the Crypt episode. That's what I think throws people for. That's why people come to this movie is you're like, I want to see everybody's against type in this movie. Every single person. Like, I mean, Isabella Rosalina, I guess not really. Cause like, she's just nearly topless she feels Italian like she's woman. Pretty laser she's, focused on type. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's cast type. That's, that, that's the only one. But like, but I mean, she almost is making fun of it though, which is great. Totally, like I love the like, thing when she gets out of the pool and she changes her outfit like three times in a yeah. minute. It's a bit like, and it works um, really well. But again, like she's everybody understands what they're there to do, which is play against their type. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like at this time, let's see, Meryl Streep was doing. She was about to do Bridges of Madison County. She'd obviously won for Sophie's Choice in eight in the eighties. She'd done Out of Africa. Like she was a serious thespian, and this is what she decides to do. Like that is. That's a draw, man. You want to see her like yeah. step out of her box. And I think it's cool because that's become something that she's done more pretty regularly since Definitely. Then, right? Definitely. She does a lot of those kind of like great tongue and cheek. Like she was just in Don't Look Up and was great. She was great. But I think that is one of the it, it's it's a movie that it's strange because to me and people of my age, right, we all remembered seeing the trailer of, you know, the the neck snap and the hole in the body, right? Yeah. Looking through the hole. Mm-hmm. Those things that are on the poster, right? That's what they're selling you is this is a a weirdly graphic body comedy, right? Yeah. And you go in and it's even knowing you're going to that movie, it manages to become so much more strange and memorable. Yeah. Right? And I think that's the that's the funny thing is it, it felt like what we were gonna get, right? Was that we'd get the classic kind of femme fatale right like a a movie that was popping at that level would have been like you know basic instinct like we're gonna get basic instinct but with this hilarious like neck snapping and you know shotgun comedy and it actually is is much more of an old style film which i found really fascinating um and i i think really the thing that sells this movie is just goldie hahn and meryl streep just going at each other yeah it's they're, just, they're I mean, it, it's it's timeless. It's it's just great to see two just powerhouse actresses just really, like, by the time they get to the shovel sword fight and they're just unloading, Yeah, you're like, all right, the bit's kind of played itself a little bit at that point, but just they're, they're passive aggressive, you know, mad, hell, and everything they say has such a fucking but see, biting comedy to it that has my favorite that has my favorite exchange because once you get past the actual physical comedy bits like once they slow down and they like talk about like you like helen's like you all the boyfriends you took for me that hurt and then it comes up well again, like, she said she became her test she would get boyfriends and right. bring them to her like she was king kong right you're just like what are you doing why would you do that wait yeah so you just fade raid bruce willis what did you think was gonna yeah, what, what did you think was gonna happen <laughs> but like i love and again this is mad so madeline meryl streep's character's whole thing is she's just she's like you know she's one of us 
but she doesn't want to pretend she's one of us anymore. So that bit where she's like holding up her head, she's like, you admit that you thought it was cheap. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. I fuck it. That, that is easily one of my favorite, most memorable. It's the second most memorable exchange I ha- that is in that movie for me. The first being, and this is weird because again, like all the stuff that happens, you're like, whoa, fucking crazy. All this stuff. The one thing I always remember is it's an uncredited cameo, but it's Sidney Pollock as the ER doctor showing yeah. up. <laughs> I don't know why. It's his reaction when he pulls her jacket aside and sees her broken. I go, oh, oh, can I get a can I get a nip of that? <laughs> he like, starts drinking. And then he just drops dead. He's like, where's all the doctor? And he's just in there dead. But no, I mean, I think some of that is so funny, right? Like there was it's a so great good. line when um, you know, she's talking about, you know, what happened and you know it's like she came after you ernest she's a woman ernest yeah. a woman and then she goes from newark for god's sake <laughs> from newark you're like Oof. and it's just like the extra like when they're like the co-conspirators and she shows up to bury meryl streep while she's getting her ass spray painted right <laughs> yeah and uh there's just this great bit where you see meryl streep's hand you're like oh we're gonna do like this great bit but they gotta get the joke in right and she's like you know she's a home wrecker she's a bitch and she's a bad actress. And then she goes, <laughs> and it's like the things that made her mad just are not what we're seeing on screen. Yeah. But it's just that it's such a, and it is, it reminds me of just this old like Abbott and Costello bit run awry. Right. And it's, it's just fucking wonderful. And yeah. I think that's one of the things that it didn't feel of its time then. And it feels even less of its time now. And it, it becomes this oddly it's, it's more timeless for that. Aspect. Yeah, I think so too. It, it hits this really because again you're just like now yeah it doesn't work because like we just don't respond to screwball the way we people have tried to like bring it back in the in the last few years like i think the first time i saw someone try it in earnest was um i think like clooney tried to do in that movie leathernecks and you're just like man you just kind of like we're just we're just not the audience for it anymore like <laughs> you see people try it and like they continuously like don't understand. Like it was just like, that's an era. Like it fits really well, mm-hmm. I think. And again, this movie works because everybody except Isabella Rossellini is cast against type. So you're watching some, you're watching people do stuff that is like phenomenally outside their comfort zones. Essentially. It's a really, and that I think is what makes the screwball work for 1992. Yeah, that's why we can watch it and not go like, oh, good try. Those are some cute gags, well, but like, it's yeah. a really, it's a really fascinating movie for that for it to do what it does. And I don't think we as an audience often react to quaint like we used to, no, right? So if you're all. gonna give me a movie that's quaint, it's got to be like a very quiet, heartfelt, earnest kind of flick, right? If you're doing like, hey, we're going for quaint, but we're gonna talk fucking fifty miles an hour. Right? I guess you could say almost like Juno was like a borderline like great screwball comp, but not even that. It was just the way that they talked Diablo, so fast. Diablo and Cody's so... scripts are very specific like that. It's sort of like the same way like Aaron Sorkin writes movies like uh, their Gilbert and Sullivan shows. And like there's a handful of people that like that. Right. There's a handful of people who understand what he's doing. And there's a handful who are like, this guy's smart. I'm going to watch this movie. I'm going to learn yeah. something. And it's just it's it's just that's having a, a voice and a style is just different than what those movies did. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I, but I, I think this one does a pretty good love letter to it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. And it, it just, I think it's it's funny too because, again, the the effects work are the stars of this movie to me, right? Like Meryl and the the gang are great, but like even that scene when she just throws the fucking stick through her stomach, even when she gets fucking shotgun into the water, or when Meryl fell down the stairs, I forgot how fucked up her body was. Yeah, you know, and then Goldie Hawn like whack a moleser. There is some fucking amazing little bits in there right and i i love that stuff and that's the the thing that sticks out most but they do such a good job in this you know because that's when it gets into it's almost a a cartoon at that point but they're they're really always focused in on these little character quirks right like there's a scene when when urn's like i gotta get out of here i'm you know i gotta choose myself right I'm, i'm a man again you guys death do us part you you died and i'm parting yeah but the thing he puts on top of his fucking suitcase of this stupid ass dartboard and he can't hit a bullseye and i was like those little tiny extra visual cues I love that are shit. just constant through this movie and it's like when meryl streep almost causes the car accident because she's weeping yeah that her fuck boy was like you know you're old you embarrassed me in public you're old, you bitch yeah and she goes they're like you know ah, but she sees herself in the reflection that's yeah. <laughs> like just those little things just are hilarious to I'm, me man my favorite one is after she drinks the potion isabella rosalina goes now a warning now a warning you're like god damn yeah well also they Bless do that you. hilarious shot where i was like who was the fucking liver spot and varicose vein artist because they went hard right because there's like two where they like look at their hands they're like yeah. dear god do you, think, do you think zemeckis was like how old can you make that hand look that's not crypt keeper <laughs> Like Can you that's... just give it like ten day old banana hand? Yeah, like, you know, just, we're not gonna have it like rotting <laughs> off the bone, but like you know the one where you're like maybe banana bread. Wait, I don't know how to make banana bread. I'm just gonna throw yeah. it in the trash. Like everyone, why do I buy so many goddamn bananas? <laughs> uh, but the varicosa veins were hilarious because it literally it looked like they just traced like an interstate map on the back of Meryl Streep's head. <laughs> but <laughs> but I I don't know I okay so walk me through this potion. What did you make of the potion? Because it's one of those weird things where I, I was doing my classic Griffey thing that I get dinged on all the time, where I'm like trying to find any weird little thing to do like a stupid tangent on. And the potion was like, I'm like, there's something here. I'm gonna crack this potion. And then I was like, well, I think there's nothing there. Yeah, like, what are you it's talking literally about? Just a Deus Ex potion. That's yeah, all it's, a, it is. it's a Deus Ex potion. What did you expect? But I thought, but. It's just a, it's a fucking good device. It and is, it's, it's funny great. because the the last movie we talked about for this month was Fountain, mm-hmm. and I was like, we're literally doing two like Tree of Life movies, <laughs> and one of them's like, let's do awe and reverence and like kneel before the power of life, and this was just like, yeah, it's a bottle. So like hey, you want to be hot bottle. forever? This. <laughs> <laughs> you want to keep getting that dick from Fuckboy out in Malibu? Drink this potion. Right. Hey, by the way, there's no way he lives in Malibu. That is like maybe a bungalow in the hills at best. <laughs> I saw ocean in the background. <laughs> That's what I mean. He must be laying Poor pipe shit. to a lot of. <laughs> but I'm just saying it's it's fucking. It just it struck me as hilarious. The, the movie's essentially saying like, yeah, you want that camera fucking on your your Cracker Barrel ass for the rest of your life? Drink that fucking potion. And. It's just, it, it's ridiculous. Here's my question. Actually, th- this is something, okay, I do <laughs> want to talk about this, because it's interesting you bring up the potion. I've always had this question, actually, ever since the first time I watched it. So, 
Because this she's got a fuckload of potion. Yes. Yeah. Do your question, sorry. So, well, no, but she has a lot. Obviously, she has a lot of clients. Many fans. Elvis, people. James Dean, Jimmy right. Morrison, or Jim Morrison. <laughs> okay, so, but therein lies, like, the question here. So, here's my thing. When Meryl Streep takes the potion, it doesn't, because, like, the way she phrases it, like, it stops the aging process right in its tracks. Like, okay, cool. So, essentially, you're this age forever. So the well, way no, Meryl she Street, says it causes it to go in retreat. So essentially, they should all be Benjamin buttoning. Right. So, but here's my thought. And this was always my question is Goldie Hawn, when she discovers the potion or how to get the potion, the assumption is that she still looks the way she looks in the psychiatry ward, which is a bloated husk of her former self, so to speak. Does that mean that when she took the potion, the retreat also like just melted the pounds away. Oh yeah, nutty professor her ass. Is that is that is that the assumption? Actually, the nutty professor might have the second best colonoscopy shots by far of any mainstream studio <laughs> by far. But is that like that's always <laughs> something I've been curious about? Is like so that's what it's supposed? But it, it doesn't say oh it shrinks you to like the size you want to be. It just makes you younger. Doesn't necessarily change your features. Necess- that's the way it's supposed to be. It sends you back to your physical prime, your most primordial. But that's not what she said. It causes the aging to go in retreat. What I'm so saying is that what it does is it turns is, you into what what guys was, think you should look like. This movie was written, okay. That's what I was gonna <laughs> say. Because Elvis just, is still uh, overweight, sweating out of a one piece. Elvis, or was he? Yeah, I'm like Elvis didn't gonna go back to like. The one well, that made uh, Forrest like, Gump dance? Come on. Because, like, you think about the – because, like, okay, so Martin Donovan and David Kep wrote this. David Kep famously also wrote um, Jurassic Park and Spider-Man. Um, so we know we have two leering individuals in our, in our midst. But, like, so my question is I, I just don't get – like, I don't get why she like, – it doesn't say physical prime. You just pick two hot actresses and you're like, these people. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. This doesn't scene, make any sense. The rules Nothing of the potion. Nothing in this movie makes any sense. The rules of the potion, though, don't work necessarily. Well, here's my question, right? Because I was expecting, I was like, is Bruce Willie going to take this and just die hard? His, his, He's going to take it so then he can die hard around this mansion, and that's going to be awesome. was my all-time favorite response because I was like, I bet that's how I'd be, too. I'd be like yeah. some pussy about to fall to my death and be like, oh, I'll be old. <laughs> What about everyone else? I'll be lonely. But see, I think that is such because that was one of those things I, mean, I really I appreciated. It. I mean, that's exactly how written I beat. a script, right? Not yeah. any good scripts by any means. But there is this thing every time you write scripts, right? And you send it out for people to read it and give you notes. And someone always finds something, right? There's always a detail, right? Like, well, actually, this isn't how this would go in real life. And I'm like, well, that's not how it would go in your life, but fine, whatever. I do that too. And right. so you see this. <laughs> people are always doing that and the movie has this kind of like leering question right like really just to like have your body back you're just gonna take whatever the fuck this crazy lady's given to you okay and then they're like you know how we'll cure that in act three bruce willis will just say what everyone's thinking <laughs> man this seems like a fucking raw deal <laughs> and it's it's just, but again that that's one of those let's just go against the grain thing let's just fucking say it all out loud and get it out of the way so we can go back to fucking running amok um i do think i did have a little issue i think bruce willie would take that potion 
I thought Bruce about Willis that in too. this movie is essentially played as a mustache that is sitting on top of just a fucking pussy radar. Right? And wherever he thinks the hottest pussy is, he's going to fucking run face first in it. Consequences be damned. You're telling me Bruce Willie all of a sudden found the fortitude? The fucking fortitude? I don't know. And I again, I was like, maybe it's because he's, you know, got two zombie ladies in his his crib now. But I was like, I, I, I wondered what that movie looks like if Bruce Willie also takes the potion. Because I, I think there's a beat there. Because at the end, I really love the beat at his funeral, right? When he escapes. Yeah. Did and you know that that was like, not the original became, ending? No. That the was funeral not, wasn't the ending? Funeral's not the original ending. <laughs> I, okay. I had no idea until I did this like research today. The funeral apparently was the re like. The funeral was the the darker ending. There originally was like supposedly a happy ending for this movie, which was uh, Ernest escapes and like goes to a bar and meets this woman played by Tracy Ullman of all people, hmm. and they spend their life together. So fast forwards twenty seven years later, of course, in thirty seven, yeah, thirty seven years. So this one have 27 years later, they're in a bar, they're living happily as a retired couple, and he sees Madeline and Helen who are like fucking miserable with their eternal existence. Yeah. It didn't test well, and Zemeckis thought it was too happy an ending, so he recut to the funeral and all those bits. Which is literally the exact same thing, just Which better. is pretty much the exact same thing, but way more entertaining, I guess. Well, because they do the great line where the, do you lose my fucking spray paint? And like- now Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn are on equal comedic footing, right? Yeah. Like, they're really just, like, launching into each other, which is great for the yeah. second half. And I just love the idea that now they're kind of laying out the average man, right? Like, the people watching this at home. Right. Through his children, he has eternal youth. Through his great deeds, right? The marriage counseling and the, the fucking, you know, body book or whatever yeah. he did. They're like, um, his, you know, he's adoptive father to many of us, right? And uh, Meryl Streep's just like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's the and they best. go outside and they fucking essentially drag each other down the stairs, right? Their melted yep. visages exposed. Mm -hmm. And the inside of their bodies now are literally just these fucking hardened black charcoal awesome. innards. And, uh, you know, just goes, do you remember where you parked the car? Like, they're going to suffer this way forever. But again, I was like, what a fucking dude ending, right? <laughs> well... They should have appreciated Bruce Willie more, not tried to be hot, bitches. And now they have to pay forever. <laughs> I was just like, God is, damn. Because like, it's one of those things, if you ask us now, when we are just in a different time, everyone would take a fucking potion. They would take us back to our physical prime and let us live forever. Right. No questions asked. None. We would know. all physical, fucking take it. My physical prime wasn't that great. I don't know if I necessarily... Just for, like, it, the energy I had in my 20s, I would fucking take that potion. I think that was the drugs. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I had my own potions. They came from a man named Bone. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but you're telling me right now, if I said, Alex, can't fucking tell anyone. We got to pretend to die and stop the pot in 10 years. Oh, God, can you imagine us doing this pod in perpetuity forever? We're in, like, 20, 2050. We're just like, I don't know what we can say anymore. But Okay, and I said, here's your fucking elixir. 
Alex, you can go home just this fucking rock hard abbed Alex fucking cheekbones galore. Andrea can just like grate herself on your body, right? You have the energy to get up at night and chase your boy around. You would say no. You'd well, rather first, fucking my kid die should, my and kid rot. Be asleep. There's no re- there's no reason for me to chase my boy around at night. <laughs> but when life finds a way in their their next movie, uh, it's gonna happen. You're telling me you would not take the elixir. I gotta tell you, I don't think I would. I. Ooh. I kind of cool. agree. I agree with I agree with Ernest. I think this is one of those things that people do in movies, right? Like, oh, we're gonna be smart. We'd be like, what about when the people we love die? Bummer. You'll get new people to love. I I don't disagree. You'll with have the no- so many lifetimes of loved ones. I don't disagree with the notion of like, oh, you'll love other people. Like yeah. that's like sure, I get it, but I don't know. Eternal life just seems kind of boring. So you're 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 in the camp of being hot would not be fun because I know I didn't eat the lettuce and do the crunches, right? Having all the sex with other hot people would eventually lose its taste. Like poor Will Smith, who had to gag every time he got a fuck again because he had so much pussy, it almost killed him. Did you not read that? Neither here nor there. Yeah, sorry. I must have missed that article. Will Smith was getting so much ass. That he said eventually he developed like this like sexual repulsion and he would get like this gag reflex every time he's about to orgasm. I'm not spilling tea. He said that. It was mm. a, a weirdly TMI moment from old. I guess Willie. that was the energy he brought to seven pounds. Copy that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Just seven pounds of load and vomit. I hate my life. But uh, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I think I would. I don't know. Like, I. The idea of eternal life and the eternal youth certainly sounds attractive, but... This gets back to the vampirism debate we were having in October. I'd be a fucking vampire in a heartbeat. Vampirism's different, though. We're talking about... We're talking about eternal youth. Eternal youth, like, you never change. Nothing changes about you. The world around you changes. Same with this, though. Not only that, you survive things you should not survive. Okay, now that's the bonus of vampirism is that you have a healing factor. But right. you also got to rip necks. Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep don't have to rip necks. Right, they don't have to rip necks, but they'll be with the cockroaches at the end of the world. That sounds horrible. What if the cockroaches... Have, what if the octopi finally get their shit together and they come out of the ocean and they're like, this is ours, and you're like, righteous. You Think still, of the things... You'll literally be Hugh Jackman at the end of the fountain just floating in a bubble, taking in sights no man was meant to keep see taking the piss out of that aren't you you're just gonna keep going i like the fountain i really like the going. fountain i really like the fountain i'm just keep saying you say you like the fountain but you don't want to float with me in the bubble i love the fountain what if only me and you could have the potion if only me and you could have the potion and I every would... 10 years we had to fake our death change our looks and come back as a new podcast yeah i like my life I but would you rather, like your other lives. I would rather die on the mic, potting. You with want you. me to fucking go on alone? That's how selfish you are. I would rather die on the mic with you and I finishing this show than go on and have to reboot it every ten years. I would rather live and just keep getting to talk to my old pal. But I guess that's the difference in us. I'm not a hard charcoal thing yet. Wow. <laughs> I'd rather just keep wait, talking wait. with you. I tried to, you know, I gave you an olive branch. I tried to make it sweet, and you just twisted it around. That was great. 
I think when you say, I just want you to die a fiery death, that's not sweet. There's Death is a disease, remember? I didn't tell you to die a fiery death. I said I would die on the mic just sitting here talking to my pal. So you want me to live in a world where I just watch my pal collapse in death and then podcasting and friendship hey, and all becomes hey, just say thank you. I love you too. Just do that. How about that? We just do that one. Huh? How about you we think just I'm cheap? Is that what you're How saying? About you think I'm cheap? one time you just give me this one rather than twist my words and make me sound like an asshole. All right. <laughs> See, we were meant to live together forever. Listen to this. We already we already hate each other at a genetic core. <laughs> I'm just saying, come be hot with me. Audience, tell me, would you take the, we'd all take the potion. We'd all take the potion. Um, talk to me about Bruce Willie in this. We didn't really talk about him a ton, just kind of quickly. I mean, there's not much. I mean, is this a top five Bruce Willie movie? For me, yes. Performance, Bruce Willie performance. For me, yes. Because again, like he's doing exactly the opposite of what he's supposed to be doing in the '90s. He is the other action guy throughout the entire '90s. He was the third one, right? If you got Stallone yeah. or Schwarzenegger, if you wanted it to be a little tongue in cheek, you got you Bruce got Willis. Bruce Willis. And he's not only doing like against type that he's doing against type Bruce Willis, really. Like, yeah, he just got done. I think doing Bonfire of the Vanities at that point. Like, he's like doing hardcore. This is completely the opposite direction. So he's doing he's doing a put upon, beaten down, alcoholic dude who like literally hates his life. 153 that, movies. God damn. That scene where <laughs> that scene at the party where the woman's like, You did such a wonderful job on my mother. It felt awful to bury her. And she's like Spray paint. Tell us what's your secret? <laughs> and he just like takes a swig, spray paint. I All mean, right. it's an amazing bit. It is. All right, I'm going to throw some out. You tell me if this movie, Bruce Willis, ranks higher or lower. Let's get the easy ones. Die Hard. Lower. 12 Monkeys. Lower. Okay, let's see. Pulp Fiction. I would say higher for Bruce Willis. Higher. He's a very small part. Unbreakable. Ooh. Higher. Okay, Hudson Hawk. <laughs> Almost the I think that's almost peak same? Willie. Hudson Hawk, you think? That might be a top five Bruce Willie for me, as far as what he's doing in the movie. Hudson Hawk's one of those awesome movies that gets re-examined every ten years. People are like, I guess it wasn't nearly as bad as we all made it out to be like, yeah, we know. All right, Armageddon. <laughs> Higher. <laughs> I mean, this is like Bruce Willie's becoming your like the stepdad who comes in and is like banging your mom, yeah, and you're like, damn, like, he's cool. Yeah, that's like cool stepdad phase. Yeah, I think that's actually like one of my favorite Bruce Willis too. All right, let's see what else. <laughs> Just a lot of diehard movies in here. Last Boy Scout. Uh, I this performance is better than that. I think so too, man. The Jackal. God, was that with Richard Gere? Yes. This is better. This is better than that. <laughs> I think so too. All right, I have to say this one for my mom. Zayna Griffey's one of her. Someday we're going to talk about this movie for Zayna Griffey specifically. She loves The Kid. Do you remember this movie? <laughs> With Spencer Breslin? Yes. Yes, and Bruce Willis goes back and sees himself as a young buck. Uh-huh. My mom loves that fucking movie in a way that's almost hideous. Zayna never disappoints with yeah. the picks. My mom uh, tells us to call the ambulance all the time. <laughs> so, so I will say just because it's so important to my mom. 
Like honorable mention, like six honorable. or seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. And then, yeah, he's got a bunch of these just kind of like there's bits of Bruce Willis, but not high level Bruce Willis. This might be a top five. And again, I think it's it's him doing the thing where it's it's funny, too, because a lot of the 90s action guys, this became the move. And now yeah. it's kind of built into what the action guys well, are. Yeah, all of these guys now do these like comedies. But Bruce like, Willis is the best of them. Bruce Willis did the best because like Stallone tried really hard, but Stallone couldn't. Stallone didn't have the doesn't have comedic timing for one, which but is Stall- funny because and you watch him in Creed, he's really fucking funny. Yeah, like well, him no, as Rocky agree. is funny. I think him older is funny. It's when he was like at his peak and he's trying to like do. It wasn't even Tango like and Cash. And it wasn't stuff, even yeah. like Tango and Cash. Like stop or my mom will shoot. It's more like when he's doing like demolition man and judge dread where he's like trying to be funny in moments you're like just give it to rob schneider don't yeah. do this we're paying for the 12 pack sir we're paying yeah. for this one but no that's i i think this is because again if you had just seen this right like if you were an alien you came down here's this actor bruce willie and you saw that and you're like would you guess this guy is the third most popular action star of not the era? even close what what i think that's wonderful man because now it's like you know even comedians who go to marvel movies have to be jacked beyond belief yeah and Paul he was Rudd. just this fucking awesome uh kumail nanjiani, kumail nanjiani like, ripped in that movie but that's what i mean it's it's wonderful it's that the he blueprint could do this yeah it's the blueprint for like doing it's the blueprint for doing like the michael keaton thing it's like the progression of the Michael Keaton. Michael thing. Keaton's a good analog. To Michael that. Keaton's a great analog because, yeah, it's the progression from the Michael Keaton thing. And now people are doing the Michael Keaton thing for the Marvel movies. But this Bruce Willis is like the original. Bruce Willis is the original. Like, look, look at me do. But like, it's like doing it's like doing character acting mm-hmm. when you're really like it's like Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's a great example of like he's a guy who's like unconscionably handsome, but He's him and like Cary Grant are these actors who were character actors housed in these incredibly handsome people, and they understand their brand better Paul than anybody. Newman. Paul yeah. Newman's another one. Yeah, like they understand their bit so well, and like they do. Like it's like they're too handsome to be, they're too handsome to be the second part. So they give them these parts where they're like not supposed to be funny at all, but because they are these guys, they can do yeah. that better than anybody. Well, I also like that they're constantly just like, oh, you fat, bald loser. And I'm like, Bruce Willis would still be like top 5% hottest dads anywhere he went. And we're just like shitting on this guy. It's my favorite Meryl (laughs) Streep read. Flaccid. Flaccid. Yeah. You think I was going to take it? (laughs) But no, I I think when I think of this movie, right, to like summarize it up, I know that's been kind of a weird like sprawling one. But uh, when I think of this movie, man, besides just it's such a fucking fun premise that they really let out. But just that moment, right, where he comes back, he sees the doctor died of shock and he just goes, where's my wife? And he's yelling at this nurse. She goes, the morgue, the morgue. She'll be furious. (laughs) Come on. And you're like, if that line doesn't, you know, bust you up, like you're just not going to find what this movie has. you're You're not at the movies. And it's just this big, luscious, like, golden age Hollywood fucking yuck fest. And it just still works. And it, yeah. it is this wonderful oddity. Because especially today, I feel like we don't really get the movies that are out there unless they are just way smaller scale, right? Yeah. 
like this something is the like A twenty four doing like Red Rocket, you're like, sure, they can make that movie. Yeah. This is the kind of movie now that if it's pitched, you're like, you can never make this movie. Like, not on you this have scale, to take yeah. all the effects out of it, and it has to be a five million dollar movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's... or like you have to do the effects on your iPhone, right? Like some teenager <laughs> from TikTok will tell you how to do it. Exactly. But no, I just I, I think it's a it's kind of a it reminded me of the the time when I was young, right? And you'd be going to Blockbuster, and this was one of those VHS covers. The moment you saw that. You're like, holy shit, that looks awesome. I got to see that movie. And it's definitely not the movie you think it's going to be, but it was just one of those covers that was so fucking cool. And then you got it home and it became cool in a whole other way. Yeah. And I just think it's so fun to go back and revisit. I mean, it's just, it's really just awesome and weird, weird work, right? Even the stuff that hasn't aged super well isn't the kind of stuff that's like going to like put you off watching it. No. Right. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just a wonderfully fun movie about love and loss. <laughs> yes. About love and loss. That's it for death becomes her death becomes this episode guys. Uh, you'll have to come back and see us next week on our fan selected final movie of Amour. right? The pod is loved and lost. So the contenders gladiator, the notebook, Pet Cemetery and the Descendants. <laughs> Look at Alice's face. He's so mad. We've been fighting nonstop because I say, what is more a movie about love and loss than Pet Cemetery? I obviously added that one to the list. Alex, I'm, your gripe. Get it out. We'll get it out. I'm, Maybe I'm not, this will sway the vote. What's the point of saying anything? <laughs> <laughs> He's saying, you know, Amour is more of a sexy time Amour. Well, it's February, Valentine's Day. I don't give my child a Valentine. When you were a child, did you give other kids in your class Valentine's with your name? Yes. Little Al Dandini. Yes. Batman. Because I had a crush on a girl, so I gave her a Valentine. Oh, man, you already crushed her. All right, well, hey, man, we don't all crush a lot. Some of us just live the real world. Sometimes, sometimes. Move on. Pet Cemetery's better. Finish it off right now. (laughs) All right, that's it. So, guys, uh, if you are one of our patrons, you have a vote in which of those movies should win. Pet Cemetery. And, it's gonna uh, be Pet Cemetery. It's it's ahead. I'll give you a spoiler. It's ahead. So if you don't want to hear Pet Cemetery like Alex, you don't want him to have to go through that. Get in there now and uh, vote up the others, guys. Uh, if you want to be one of our patrons and have us do a specific episode for you, go to Patreon.com/slash/FilmAlchemistPod. It's the best way to help the show, guys. We appreciate it. Even a dollar a month means the world to us. So. Thank you guys who support us. Again, the YouTube is Film Alchemist. Make sure you subscribe. Email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Find us on all the social media you're on. Make sure you leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening, including now Spotify. Mash that five-star, please, please. And uh, we'll see you guys next week to wrap up the month of Amour here on the Film Alchemist. I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. Bye.